Welcome, family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight's episode uh, from the streets to the pulpit is about accountability. Who do we hold accountable for our current state? We want to hold someone accountable often so that they may blame. We hardly analyze the entire situation and realize that sometimes it's our own fault, that we partly to blame. Could it be that what we're trying to pass isn't worth passing because what we're trying to preach isn't what we're practicing? It's more like do as I say, not as I do. Um, That's the disconnect. Before we place blame for what isn't happening, let's look at at our actions and remember that it's our responsibility to pass along good teachings. We are being held liable for what we're teaching as well as we're not. Without further ado, let's go to the lines. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. I just want to say before we get started, um, for a short time, I'm going to be just listening in. I'm going to be unable to talk, so please. All right. I'll be sure to keep you on the line, and you just stay tuned in. Ms. Quick, Welcome. Good evening. So who are we going to hold accountable for our current state? Uh, Yourself. No one's accountable for your current state but yourself. Um, Right? Well, yeah. I would think that... For for us, you know, I would say because we're married, I think it's I'm accountable for you, you're accountable for me, I hold you accountable, and you do the same, you know, vice versa, Mm because essentially we're one. So we have each other. Um, When you look at it from just a single perspective, um, when you're talking about just one single person, that person is accountable for their current state. I think one of one of the biggest things that you know we teach our children is to um, own what you do, and that is teaching them accountability. Accountability um, when they mess up in school or when they, you know, don't do a chore, you know, own it. If for whatever reason, don't make excuses, it it is what it is, own it. Um, Because at the end of the day, if we don't teach them accountability, then we continue to be accountable for them. Um, And, you know, I, I, I think that it's important that they understand accountability and how to be accountable for themselves 
so that when they get to a place where they're married or have a significant other, they're able to hold that person accountable and vice versa. Well, I agree and I disagree. I think that in some regards we are accountable. We're being held accountable. Um, Up until we became of age, the parents were accountable. And I think biblically, after you reach the age of 13, you're accountable for your own individual actions. But before then, your parents are accountable. Mm-hmm. So if and once the kids are of that age, they're accountable for their own. I'm also be held accountable for what I didn't teach them or um, the wrong that I did teach them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think... Hey, um, I'm sorry. I've actually to find a brief moment, and I just want to say... When it comes to accountability, one of the key points is you got to take responsibility for one's actions, okay? You try to teach ourselves to take responsibility for the things we do and some of our wrongdoings. In society and the things we deal with, we are always, as you guys said earlier, responsible for our actions. The thing is, when one is not taught, you know, proper accountability and responsibility for their doings and their wrongdoings, unfortunately, it lends itself to creating a sense of entitlement in one's mind to you know, wrong actions, actions of which have they believe they should not suffer consequences for it, even though they have wronged another. When it comes down to it, you know, we have to take care of each other. We also do have to be accountable for the wrongdoings of which we may commit upon one another or just, you know, the things we may do that may cause others problems indirectly, you know, without actually taking into account what what, what part we played in creating the situation. We do not, you know, create a system where we are able to self-reflect, as we talked about in the last episode, to, you know, come to a higher state of understanding and to, you know, move forward as people, both on a personal level and on a societal level. Unfortunately, a huge part of, you know, some of what goes on in the black community nowadays in certain areas is a lack of accountability for a lot of things, a lack of accountability for the abuses we have inflicted upon one another, the wrongs we have inflicted upon one another, you know, without taking, you know, without looking at ourselves and saying, oh, shit, I was wrong for doing that, you know, we just keep ignoring it. And, of course, it keeps creating a vicious cycle. You know, we keep committing these wrongs. We keep holding one another back. Unfortunately, some of us do get to the point to where when we see that a person just absolutely will not take responsibility for their own actions, we get to the point where, like, you know, I'm going to be done with you because I can't deal with someone who can't see the wrong that they're doing. Sorry can't see the wrong that they are doing, can't see the wrongs that they are committing upon another, and ultimately they will never want to see them. They will they will always want to see themselves as right. They will always want to see themselves as, you know, the one that they didn't do anything wrong. And you can't really do anything with a person like that. They will always, always see themselves right. Unfortunately, in some cases, this is what causes the issues and, 
you know, marriages and relationships. You know, one party sees that the other party is doing all the wrong, and, you know, time and time again they bring it up, and time and time again they play it off. That's also, you know, textbook gaslighting, you know. But if we can't hold one another accountable, if we can't do right and help one another build and not tear each other down, you know, we're not going to go anywhere. And as you said before, accountability does start, you know, starts young, starts with teaching your children to be responsible for their actions and understanding that there are consequences to certain actions. You know, unfortunately, in certain cases, depending on the child, they may learn to understand how to play the system of accountability and be the type to take full responsibility for their actions and still see no wrong with what they did. You know, they stand by their actions, even knowing that their actions may have caused harm or, or, you know, problems amongst another. So accountability is tantamount in, in the proper development and growth of people in a society in a positive direction. Without it, we'll just destroy each other. And with that, I'm going to go back on mute. <laughs> I can dig that. I think that we must hold ourselves accountable first and foremost. Before I can hold you accountable, I have to be accountable for what I do or don't do. You agree with that, my love? Of course, babe. So before I can teach my son how to accept his wrong and be responsible for what he's done, I got to show him how to do so. And with that, as um, we just said, you can admit you're wrong and continue to do wrong. That's a whole other subject. But if you're wrong, you admit it and adjust and try to correct those actions or offenses. Depends on how one may see it. Mhm. But I do believe it started at a young age, and it starts. At home. Absolutely. Now, we all know that what we're preaching or teaching our action has to line up. It has to. Or what you're saying has no value or no substance because your actions goes a lot further than your words. you agree? Yes. Okay. 
Okay. Excuse me for one moment. We're passing along lessons to our kids. We add the value of what that lesson costs. If our kids doesn't see, or people doesn't see that it has value to us, they're not going to value what you're saying or doing. I believe that could be where the disconnect come in. I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know when we do things, we do things out of habit. So we're not always mindful that eyes are always on us. But we must remember someone is always watching all the time. That's all. Right. And um, and the thing about accountability, it's, it's as simple as taking responsibility for your own actions. And in doing that, you're showing accountability. And that goes back to, you know, when they're children. Um, Babies, and as simple as asking them, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Um, And, you know, at first they they don't really understand maybe how to answer the question, so it's, it's up to you to teach them how to properly answer the questions and then how to own up to what they have or have not done. Um, and, you know, in our household, if we teach, if you, if you can't own it, don't do it. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Um, you don't go out here and do something that you can't stand up and say, that's what you did. I agree. I think that we we live in a time where, you know, we mention this and talk about it very often, where social media um, is overwhelming, um, to say the least. It's, it's overwhelming for, for us as adults. It's overwhelming for children. And when, you know, when your child, when you have a child that is social media-driven, it's hard to teach them accountability, um, in my opinion, because social media doesn't require accountability. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you're on there and, you know, you are, you're chatting through, you know, message, direct messaging or, you know, posting things, you know, you get to be posting a lot, you know, um, and if no one, like if your parents don't see it, they don't know it, so they can hold you accountable for you telling that story because no one on social media knows who you are and what you do. 
It is mm-hmm. what you put up there can be because you put it up there. So unfortunately, teaching accountability um, is becoming a little more difficult because of the outside influences that our children have. So I guess my question would be is is how do we um, not say get creative, but in a sense, but sort of, you know, think outside the box in ways to teach accountability and reach some of those children who are social media driven. Because when you really think about it, um, they're in the mass. And and if they're not learning accountability, then you know you know what I'm saying. If they're not learning accountability, then then what are they learning? What what would they stand for? Absolutely, I think that's one of the the founding principles of humanity. Um, If you do and own it, take responsibility. Now, on the other side of that same coin, if I do something and you like it, I want all the praises. But if I do something wrong, total deniability. I don't, I'm denying it and I'm going to deny it to the death. So, what does that say about the world that we're living in currently? You're telling me. I mean, everybody's hiding behind masks, you know. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, I guess, it's a sad time, I guess, you know. Um, I wanted to pop in with another quick thought. Um... You talk about, you know, the mask that people are hiding behind. You know, I was just thinking about it, and it's like one of the things about people being held accountable for their actions is, well, one feels like they're being held accountable and, and for an action that, that was seen as wrong, you know, not seen as positive, but not garnering positive attention or praise. We tend to shy away from it because we don't want to be, you know, looked at as from from that perspective, you know. And... Oftentimes, just like in society, you know, we'll try to shrug off our wrongdoings and not we did them, you know, all this other stuff because deep down we don't want to feel those those feelings. We did it. A lot of times those evoke feelings of, you know, embarrassment, guilt, shame, you know, things people don't want to feel. But, you know, they fail to realize that the only reason you feel that way is because if you feel that way about what, when somebody points out something bad that you've done, it's because you know you were wrong. And you... People don't like being wrong, especially in society. No one likes being wrong, you know. They always want to be seen as right. They always want to be seen as, as a, 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 you know, you know, correct people, you know. But it's probably as because good. at some point in their life. Hmm? As good. 
Yeah, they want to be seen as good or better than others. Yeah, they want to be seen as good. So, I'm going to call you. Go ahead. So to, to piggyback on what he was saying, or to both of you were saying, especially with social media, if I post that I, from my toe, it's like, you know, all, all feel better, it wells, Godspeed, that, that, that. No one is coming out and saying, hey, I screwed up. You know what I mean? They're not asking, how did you break your toe? Stand by. We have a caller, 4726. You're live. Hello? Seven two six. Okay, maybe you just want to listen. Yes, I'm here. It's coming in a little late, um, but definitely got the the topic part about accountability. Um, and just in regards to that, like, who do we hold accountable uh, for our state and where we are? I think you have to look into yourself and hold yourself accountable regarding the state that you're currently in. You know, the saying goes, you're the you're the captain of your soul and the master of your fate. You know, so you have all the power and control in your hands. And no matter how things may have happened in the past, it sometimes does dictate your present, but you have the ability once you get older to change those factors and those things that did impact you as a young child. You have those, you have that, almost that angst, that, that power, that strength, that mindset now that you don't have to continue to live and be in a situation um, that does not allow you to be positive, that does not allow you to have a bright future, that does not allow you to succeed and be who you truly want to be in life. You're no longer handicapped um, as years go on, but you have to take control back and not blame what happened in the past to you made you do this, made you do that. Even though it could, you still have the power now to say, okay, it did impact me, but this is what I want to do now. This is what I want to do now to change what that has done to me, to help me be better for myself, for my family, for the community that I live in. This is what I'm choosing to do. Absolutely. So, brother just kind of switched it around and he's going to put the weight on his shoulders and take the blame for what he has done versus displacing the blame as so many people of the world do. We have another caller, stand by, 0696. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen. Hey, how are you? Hello? All right. Uh, 
just a friend of uh, Ray. He was telling me about the show and stuff, and I told him I would call in tonight. And um, I was interested in the topic when he texted me about it because uh, I work in the uh, juvenile courts as a program manager. And what I experienced, not only at work, but in my 38 years of living, is that somewhere down the line, it has become comfortable for citizens to point the finger at other people, other organizations, other ethnicities for the problems that they're dealing with. And just in my profession alone, what I see is a lot of parents who have children who have not addressed their personal issues from their childhood, from when they was a teenager, during their young adult time. And what happens is their children are watching their behaviors and they begin to emulate the behaviors of what they see to their parents, which is pretty much being codependent on others and other organizations and not holding themselves accountable because they see their parents not holding themselves accountable. And time and time again, I have to sit down with mothers, I have to sit down with parents, and I have to explain to them that at some point you have to look over both of your shoulders and then look at yourself in the mirror and just tell yourself that it's not this organization's fault, it's not your skin color fault for every single thing that goes on with wrong with you. Somehow you have to be held accountable and responsible for the words that come out of your mouth, your actions, and you also have to be responsible for the acts that you don't act upon that may be detrimental to your personal life, your family life, your professional life, etc. And as I, I, I continue to develop a rapport with a lot of parents at my job, I start to realize that they were never shown, they were never shown um, the importance of holding themselves accountable for things. It, it was just so easy to just place the blame on somebody else and, and, and move along throughout their life. And, and a lot of them don't even know how to, what's the action steps with going about uh, resolving mm. the issue and, and, and taking full responsibility. So it, it, it's, it's deeper it's, it's extremely deep because now you're looking at an individual who perhaps 30 years old, but when it comes to handling responsibility, it's probably 17 years mentally when dealing with that, and mm. they got mouths to feed and children to raise. You know, I think, I mean, it's a blessing that you called in tonight because I was, before you introduced yourself, I was just thinking, um, and was wanting to gather thoughts on the what if 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 we don't hold ourselves accountable, someone else will, such as the justice system, um, or any other type of organization or any other type of system there is that can say, Hey, you know, look, you did this, you broke the law, this is what we're gonna do. Um, so it, it's very interesting that you called in. I thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, time and time again, I have to sit down and I just have to talk to parents because um, during that teenage, that teenage, those teenage years, that puberty stage, a lot of kids do start smelling themselves. But 
I always tell parents, the worst thing you can say to your child is that I'm sick and tired of you, or if they get in some trouble, you come into this courtroom and you look at the judge and you tell the judge, you can keep them. I don't want them because I'm tired. And, I, and, and, and that goes back to what you just said, ma'am, is that once again, instead of that parent or those parents holding themselves accountable and, and doing the best they can as responsible parents, they are now turning their responsibility and putting it on the justice system. You know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, 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 I just spoke with this father today because he called his son a monster. And when he called his son mm-hmm. and his son was in handcuffs and his son dropped his head, 14-year-old kid. And so when he came out there, um, he had this attitude that the entire justice system against him. And I looked at him and I asked him, I said, sir, I said, let me talk to you one second. I said, that individual sitting in there, that is your DNA. You contributed to bringing that child into the world. You raised that child. You have memorable pictures of your son. I said, you've done things with your child. And I said, that, that, that individual that, you know, that you're calling a monster, you have played a huge contribution to creating that if that's what you feel like he is. I said, so instead of sitting in there and beating him further down, I said, how about finding a way of finding help or assistance to change your son's life around now? I say, rather than you just turning your back on him and going on about your life. And, you know, he, he looked at me, and he walked away. He came back, and he said, you know, I've been doing this all my life. He said, I do it with relationships with women. He said, I find good women that are um, going to push me to do better in life, that challenge me to grow professionally and personally. And he said, I leave them. And I, and I said, well, what's the, I said, what are the results you get from that? And he said, it's the easy way out. Mm. And so, we, and so we, we have a lot of, when I say we, I mean we as a society, um, we have a lot of work to do. I think right now in our society, our nation is very comfortable at just pointing the finger as somebody else. If you even look at politics, the, 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 the Republicans point the fingers at the Democrats, the Democrats point the finger. And I'm, just, I'm not in politics, but I'm just giving an example. How it just, it, even if you watch everything, it's so easy to just point the finger. I mean, I was, I was telling my, my son, I say, sometimes, son, you're just going to have to say, I mess up my bad. And you gonna, yes, if you don't know how to fix what you messed up with, then you ask me. I'm your pops. You ask me. So I, don't, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know that I messed up, so how do I fix it? And let me teach you. But I don't, I'm not going to let you go around and say, well, he started with me and she started with me or the teacher don't like. I can't let you keep placing blame on other people for your actions, son. And I got to start you off now at eight years old because come 18, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. Bro, that was well spoken. Very quick, we're going to introduce another caller, 1677. Your mic is live. Good evening. Good evening. This is a very delicate subject. I'll try to very quickly reveal that I unfortunately have a son that is incarcerated 
I tried my best to teach him the right way to go. And when it all went down, it was very difficult. I didn't get to see him for like about four years. And fortunately, some other family members were there to support me through it. The first time I saw him, all I could think of was, where did I go wrong? I walked around with that burden for 10 years. It was, it's been a rough road. And he finally, he sent me an email that said, Mom, I got me into this mess. But I still feel that, I still wonder, what could I have done better? So I'm just going to keep praying, hold my head up, and think positive, and look to the future, and just try to do better. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing. I think one of the things, like the gentleman said, at some point, we have to ask, will you help me? I messed up. And it is our responsibility to do so. Because I believe we're going to be held liable for not teaching, for not correcting, or what have you. But oftentimes, we don't know but we don't know. Mommy, can I do I don't. He was also saying, as far as the, the gentleman was saying, he's been doing this all his life. He didn't know it was wrong. Twin, give me some insight, please. You're definitely right. You know, when it gets to the point where someone comes to ask for help. When you're there and you're the person that's asking, the approach has to be in a way that you're not going to demean them, you're not going to make them feel bad for not knowing, because one thing it is is for someone to actually be vulnerable enough to ask for help, you got to appreciate the fact that they're willing to ask. Because that means they're willing to learn at the same time. And they're going to actually soak it up, everything that you're going to teach them. And you want to teach them the right way so that what you teach them, they can impart to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times it may not be the fault of how they didn't know or what they did learn because a lot of times we see stuff. You know, a lot of times some parents may say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. But a lot of times kids are going to see what mom and daddy do, and that's what they're going to emulate at the end of the day. When the little kids start cursing, mama will say, where you learn that at? Well, I heard, you know. You just okay. never know what they're listening or hearing to. So once they become of age, those kind of things stick with them. And you have to be mindful that everybody's background and how they grew up is different. But if they're willing to learn because they want to better themselves, make themselves better, make themselves better so that they can impact other people, their family, and impart the knowledge that you want to give to them, 
I think that's a great thing. You got to be appreciative of that. That's that's my twenty right now. My brother, you were just speaking zero six nine six. I'm sure when you're talking, ask you or um, when you was giving those, when you was letting him know that he could ask you when he screw up or he could come to you. Are you you that example? Correct. Yes, sir. I um as as the gentleman was just speaking as Ray was just speaking. Your approach, the way you approach someone is extremely important. And I mm-hmm. always remind myself every day, and I remind the staff that I supervise, do not approach no one the way you do not want to be approached, especially mm-hmm. if you're approaching them and they are already vulnerable because they, they're doing something wrong or they're not doing something that they need to do. And, yeah. and and a lot of times we get so caught up in our jobs, our professions, our roles, that we, we, we don't advise people. We start telling them what they need to do, oh. and that's not our role. Our role is just to advise you. Now, as an adult, you have option A, B, and C to choose from. I can't tell you what particular choice to make, but here are your options. When If another man is coming to me and he's telling me, so what you need to do is you need to do it. First of all, right <laughs> then and there, when you're telling me what I need to do, I, I ain't doing nothing else after that. I, I, I just saw lips moving. Because your approach, it, 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 I didn't take your approach as being genuine. I didn't take it as you being humbling and want and wanting to help me. I took it as you assuming you knew better than uh, you knew more than me and was better than me. So we have to be extremely careful the way we communicate and the way we approach people, especially when you are aware that someone is in need of help. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't ask for help. I think pride get in the way, and I think a lot of people feel like they're being viewed as less than or having less than the next person or ignorant or whatever. But it's all it's all you can get so much out of a person based on the appropriate way of communicating with them. And in my field, communication is number one. We have to build a strong and positive rapport. And I just want to say this while I'm talking to the mom who's dealing with your son. My prayers go out to you too. Um, I can feel it in your voice when you was talking that you did all you can as a mother. And what you have to do is just take it every day, um, live your life to the best you can, stay in communication if you can with him, and just understand that that cloud that's over him right now, the fact that he's even able to acknowledge that it wasn't you, Mom, but it was him, that's, all, that's, that's that cloud separating that was over his head. And eventually the sun going to come out again. Mm. Unfortunately, uh. we don't, unfortunately I, I work with parents who don't even, they don't even, they don't even, have the understanding like this young lady on the phone did tonight, and it, it breaks my heart. But I, I, I do what I can, man. I do what I can. Um, I just want to say something real quick in regards to another lady that was speaking about her son, and uh, to the gentleman that just you know finished speaking. Um, I'm gonna be honest. The, what she's speaking about—that's my brother, the woman that was just speaking to my mother. 
you know? Right. And in regards to that particular situation and, and you know, accountability for accidents, I want to be honest. Um, there are many things that definitely could be held, that both of them could be held accountable for in their actions, both him and his choices, her and her choices. And I'm going to admit in the situation that God caused him to end up in that situation, me and my choices, you know? You know, mm-hmm. I've learned to realize one of the things I said earlier was we all have to take accountability for, you know, what part, what role we played in that particular situation that could have caused, mm-hmm. you know, that, that unfortunate outcome. And without any denial, I'll say that, unfortunately, I admit to having played a part that I should have taken as an opportunity to prevent that outcome. Um when it comes down to it, when the situation happened, I was actually unfortunately involved. And, you know, frankly, when it all went down, even I was willing to, you know, stand accountable for, you know, the incident that occurred. It was because, unfortunately, of, you know, my involvement that some choices were made by my brother to take full responsibility for the actions because ultimately he had decided on, you know, long he had decided upon, you know, the 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 circumstances of which that situation arose from. He had made the choice to have what he had and do what he did and it was only because he had intended to try to keep himself safe in the event that it, due to the event that unfortunately we were going into a place that admittedly we were going time and time again, you know, not to go into. We will want time and time again not to be in that area, not to deal with that situation because problems could arise. So when it comes down to it, we all have to, as I said before, we all have to really look at the pieces where we are accountable. But admittedly, yes, he did ultimately take accountability for his choices and his actions. But, you know, how he wound up there, what choices led him to that, you know, that down that path, what choices, you know, made him that kind of person, honestly, some of them extend even beyond her, okay? Some mm-hmm. of them actually mm-hmm. extend mm-hmm. in a place that, frankly, hardly no one can hold accountable. He, he, he's my brother. Um, last talk show, you know, I brought up about the fact that my father, you know, disowned me as a child. The thing is, when that happened, my brother's dad wanted to step in and say, I don't care what he says, I'm going to be his father. Unfortunately, that loss, it didn't just hurt me, it hurt my brother as well. That's the only reason my brother even remotely wound up down that path. He he that loss that he had and not having his father, he searched for in his that is his father's side of the family. And I will not deny that some people on that side of the family and the way that they live may have put some um how do I say some some instilled some poor ideals with him and how to deal with the world, how to deal with certain situations, and unfortunately, in in, in various correct and possibly incorrect you know matters, my mother did try to address and 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 you know reshape his behavior, but ultimately, I guess with the circumstances in which he had went through, his mind had become set and his outlook on life had become not necessarily. Grim, but hard, and it was, even for me, an unfortunate thing to, you know, have to sit and watch. Having told my brother time and time again, 
as the one with a strong level of intellect, haven't been just as bad and hard-headed, and frankly, haven't been seen by my mother as the one more likely to end up in a situation dealing with the justice system. You know, telling him time and time again, listen, stop making all these stupid mistakes. You know, it's it's going to go places it shouldn't. It's already bad enough that I'm trying to stay out of trouble because I was looked at as the one more like get in trouble because of my know-it-all attitude and I had it all, you know what I'm saying, knowing how to duck and dodge and talk my way out of problems. But, I mean, I tried to really stand there and say to my brother, yo, don't do not do this stuff like this isn't worth the trouble we're going to get into. But, unfortunately, there's also the reality we have to face in life. Unfortunately, when we do not, when we commit wrongs and we do not get what I see as that instant karma, that punishment, you know, for our wrongs, eventually, as, as my mother would say, as she used to always say all the time, if they don't get you on the watch, they'll get you on the rent. And sometimes I feel like when, when, when all of that happened, I wish it hadn't happened. I wish I could have, you know, taken I, I wish I would have realized the spot I had as a linchpin in that train and just pulled it, you know, prevented us from going down that path. But unfortunately... People do make choices. It is, again, when you have the opportunity, you are in a situation where something you're going to do is going to play a part in in a greater scheme of things, you've got to be willing to look at that situation and say, if I have, you have to hold yourself accountable in a situation and say, am I capable of, make, of, of you know, making a choice that can go in a better direction? It's just as simple mm-hmm. as when you already have made a mistake, and, 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 you know, you have to reflect on it and say, could I have done that better? I, is there some way I could have done that? This outcome would have come out. Was I wrong in this situation? You know, you have to be able to look at a situation when you're in it and say, you know what, am I doing the wrong thing here? Do I really need to check myself on the, the, the actions of the patient? So, you know, that's, I, totally that's agree. I totally agree with you, brother. Um, uh, just to share a story compared to yours. When I was 17 years old, my mother was murdered in front of me by her boyfriend. I mean, literally point, point blank range. I had just graduated from high school. She was leaving this guy. This guy was cheating on her numerous times. My godmother called me. She said, uh, come over because he verbally threatened her and just Come over here, make sure your mama leaves her safe, and I'm, I'm gonna take her. She gonna stay with me for a while till she get herself back together. But lo and behold, I go there two months after graduating high school, got a scholarship to go to North Carolina State, and he shoots her, to, kills her right in front of me. And let me tell you guys something on this phone. At 17 years old, seeing your mother like taken in front of you, trying to stop her from dying also having detectives thinking that you are probably has something to do with her being killed as well because you're at the scene, although we had numerous people point out that it was her boyfriend that did it at the time, I became a cold-hearted 17-year-old individual. I no longer cared about life. I had one of the worst attitudes, now that I look back, that you can probably think of. I had no remorse for nobody. I didn't care for joking. I lost my scholarship, and on top of that, I had four siblings that were still in high school with grandparents trying to take care of all of us. I was out there doing wrong, called myself trying to make a little money, hustling, trying to make sure that 
my siblings still had clothes on them. And I had this dude, older dude in the neighborhood, like we would call him the OG. He saw me standing in front of the store. He came to me, pulled me to the side, and he gave me a talking that changed my life. And the first question he asked me, he said, so you thinking living this type of life is going to bring your mother back? He said, you thinking going down this road is going to bring your mother back? You think that she's up there in heaven, she's proud of looking at you down here, as smart as you are, Jimbo, as talented as you are. You think this is what she wants? And what I realized is that that anger that I started exhibiting to society, I was actually hurt. I was torn. A piece of my heart left when I saw my mom murdered in front of me. My uncle came down. He talked to all of us, the siblings, and he said, you guys need to get out of this environment. He said, because secondhand trauma is just as worse as trauma itself. And a lot of us go through secondhand trauma, and we don't get any therapeutic treatment for it. We don't talk to nobody about it. We just deal with it. And, and, and for individuals who come up in the community, like I came up in Liberty City, Miami, when you see people killed on a weekly and monthly basis, you pretty much become desensitized to it, but you don't understand how spiritually and mentally it is damaging you. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for my uncle taking me up to Maryland, allowing me to see something different, not being in an environment where I had my mother, friends, and neighbors, they constantly remind me that my mother was gone because they were like, my prayers are with you, James. My prayers are with y'all. How you holding up? And although I, I believe that those questions were genuine, what they didn't understand at that time, I constantly had to relive seeing my mom murdered when they asked me stuff like that. When I got away, my uncle told me, he said, I want you to go to therapy. I was like, I'm not going to no therapy. I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm about to be 18 in October. And, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to get a job. I'm going to be out. He was like, I need you to go to therapy. End up going to therapy. I went to therapy for about a year and a half. So much came out of me that I never knew was sitting there, and it basically was destroying my system. And from that experience, that's what led me to go back to school, get my bachelor's degree in counseling, go on and get my master's degree in counseling, because I told myself I still have to hold myself accountable and be a positive living man in his life. And you know what I told myself? I said, my way of dedicating something to my mother is every day waking up and dealing with kids and dealing with victims who is in a situation like myself and to let them know, I've been there. I know what you're feeling. I know the hurt. I know the anger. But I'm telling you, 15 years later, if you just, if you just stay the course, Talk about your problems. Seek help. Express how you feel. You're going to make it through. Understand, you know, find a religion that, 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 that caters to your beliefs, that you're going to be all right. And so that's why I chose the profession I, I chose. But I do understand when you were talking about your brother and his dad, I know what your brother was going through. I can, I, I'm telling you, I, I, it, was, it was the most darkest um, numb few years of my life between 17 to about 20, 
21 years old. And I love my uncle like my father because he never gave up on me. He never. Anytime I messed up, he held me accountable. You know, he never Mm -hmm. did. And to this day, I make it my job to, when I work with those kids at at the courthouse, to do the same thing for them, to let them know that I'm not your father, not your uncle, not your neighbor, but I'm someone who works in this courthouse, and I care, and I know you can do better. Mm. Bro, that was that was a heavy. Hold the lines. We'll pay some bills. We'll be back in one minute. Please stand by. You're listening to From the Streets to the Pulpit. Feel free to call in and talk to the family at 929-477-2978. That's one. Nine two nine four seven seven two nine seven eight, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Streets, the number two, Pulpit. From the Streets to the Pulpit is sponsored in part by Lumberjack Herco. Our products are high quality and all natural to give you the best results when it comes to beard and hair care. Lumberjack, for the men building culture around masculinity. Visit the website at www.lumberjackhairco.com. Now, my brother, you were giving some insight on how you kind of hold these brothers accountable and redirect them as well. Will you please elaborate on that a little bit more? You speaking to me? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, we have a, there's a program where I stay at, and there's a gentleman. Um, he did prison time. He was in the streets big time. He got out of prison, and he decided to go to school. He got his degree in um, psychology. He went on to get his Ph.D., and he has a mentoring program here for youth and for young adult males. And what we do is, in order to establish a, a good rapport with these gentlemen, we try to find things out that they like to do. You know, um, when you're dealing with at-risk youth, um, a lot of them are into video games and things like that. But what we do is, it's, it's like an informal way of doing play therapy. What we do is we allow them to get comfortable, and what we, we don't self-disclose too much about us, but we need to let ourselves, like we need to let them in on who we are. And we don't just want them to see us as whatever our professional title is, but we like for them to see us as someone who was 14 before who made terrible mistakes as well, um, who was held accountable for those mistakes, but who refused to continue to make the same mistakes over and over, to learn from those mistakes. And when we start talking to them, we take them to, like, the aquarium. We take them to different places because a lot of these kids, to be honest with you, they, they probably don't go past five blocks, or the further they probably go is their school, if their school is the furthest place they go to. And so we take them out of that environment. We allow them to see different things. Um, 
we slowly introduce to them therapy. We don't mandate them to go through therapy. It's optional. We sit down with the parents and we talk about that. Um, we let them know about grief counseling. You know, we've all lost someone, man, that we was terribly in love with, whether it was big mama, whether it was pops, grandpa, our mother, our father, our sister. But we, we, we go to the, the funeral, we go to the repast, but we don't, we don't go through, like, the grieving process. Some of us don't. And some of us need to go through that, grief, that grieving process. And some of us need somebody to talk to about that passing because it really affects us. Like my, losing my mother and listening to the young man talk about his brother's dad. Losing his dad. And so we explained to them, we showed them videos of individuals who have been down a road that they are on or who went down a worse road and how therapy helped, how going to a center, um, like a youth center that didn't have pool tables there, video game, and you have a individual that cook, and you sit down and you talk about what's going on. And to let them know that, you don't have to be wearing your pants hanging down. You ain't got to be selling dope. You don't have to be on these prescription drugs to be considered cool. You don't have to do that. And so there's so many things that we, we're doing with these kids. Um, I, I kid you guys not, it, it, it is an extremely tough process because it's our little program and what we do at the courts versus social media versus what's in the movies, what's in the communities, et cetera. And we always say, man, if we can if we can get one or two child every month to just come on in to the process that we have going on, then we feel like that's a huge help because what we also learn is that when you save one child, that child becomes the best teacher to save other children his age as well. Absolutely. I'm sure in this program you gentlemen are practicing what you're preaching because yes, sir. actions go much further than your words do. Not only am I hearing it, but I can also see the actions that's going with it so I'll know what I see, how to conduct myself. Absolutely, sir. And some days we come in there with a short song, Michael Jordan shoes, just to let them know that, you know, we like the things that they like, you know, just to let them know we like the things that they like. You know, um, one of my coworkers, she came up, it's a young lady, she came up with this term, this, this, uh, term and she was like, you got to know when to be suburban, but never forget that you're urban. And so we try to let them know that, that we're not trying to detach you from your culture, from the morals and values, that has been still generation from generation with your family. However, if some of the learned behaviors that you're carrying with you every day appears to be toxic and isn't bringing positivity to your life, let's talk about it. And when we talk about it, let's come up with an action plan on how we can work around that. You know, because the most beautiful thing in life is that we're all different. And don't nobody wants to be completely stripped of who they are and become and, and then emulate somebody else. That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying, what we do is pinpoint the issues in that particular child, male or female. Ident- once we identify them, we talk about them. We find out if there are services in place to help that kid. 
we talk to the parents about it as well because a lot of times the the, the the issues that's going on with the child is just learned behaviors from the parents. And that's the parents true. not even aware that, that, that they're the one that's passing it down to their children. And so now it goes from working with their children to working with the families. And so that's what we do, man. And, and, and I lead by example because sometimes I bring my kid to work and they see how respectful my kid is. They see if, he, if you waste something on the floor, I ain't got to tell you to clean it up. You know, to go get a nap thing, you're going to clean it up. If you bump into somebody, you say you're sorry. You bump into another kid, you say, my bad. You're not going to turn around with your fist ball up and ready to fight because you bump into someone. So that, that's, mm. what, that's what we're trying to do. So when Ray told me about the topic tonight, I said I would love to talk about it because um, we have to first start holding ourselves accountable. That's, that's for me. That's for every listener. We have to start being responsible for our own actions um, if we aren't. And... Um, we just have to, um, as, as a culture, as a society, stop pointing the fingers at other people, you know, that is their fault. Because that's the easy, easy thing to do. And nothing would get resolved that way because the fingers would get pointed right back at you. Thank you. Please stay on the line. You're welcome, sir. Just quick, okay. what do you have to say? Um, just... Um... When when he said when he said that teaching the the fourteen year old and, and turning their life around like they are the best people to teach like children, um, I can definitely agree with that. I mean, speaking from experience, I know everybody has their story, and um, I I have a brother, older brother, who has been there, done that, you know, did time as soon as he turned 18 and then, you know, got out and went back. So he was, he ended up being a three-time felon. And on this last stretch, he did 10 years. He's been out for three years now. But we went home um, to celebrate him getting married a couple weeks ago. And I could overhear him in the living room talking to our son. He was saying, you know, just telling our son his experience and saying, look, you know, I, I went to jail because I sold dope. You know, he's like, I ain't going to sit up here. You know, he's like, I can't lie to you. And told me, he said, I wasn't raised that way. Grandma didn't teach me to do that. He said, you know, I looked at um, things that I wanted, and, and I saw the easiest way I can get those things and the fastest way I can make it happen for myself. And then he even um, talked to my son about his drug use because he became a user as well. And he said, look, you know, I'm telling you these things because, you know, I'm smart enough to tell you that you don't have to do these things. You don't have to do drugs. You don't have to sell dope because I already paid that price for you. So if there's anything that you ever want to know about that life, all you have to do is ask because that, that, that education is going to come free to you. You don't have to go out there and test it. And so just hearing him saying that, um, you know, I used to wonder for years, like, you know, will he ever take responsibility for what he did and the impact that he had on his own life? And hearing that conversation, you know, gave me my answer. Like, yeah. And I think that even to this day, the reason why he hasn't gone back to hustling or um, using using drugs um, is simply because 
he stood up and took responsibility for what he had done wrong, understood it was wrong, and is willing to share his story to those who, you know, may face similar choices down the line or may have questions about a lifestyle such as that down the line. That's that's good. I wish more of our brothers who have went down the road reach back and tell the experience the way that it is, not trying to Mm -hmm. glorify it, glamorize it. Tell it for what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask this question. When I was growing up, I, the majority of the people I saw with Jordans on, the brother mentioned it earlier, were the drug dealers. So quite naturally, y'all know the rest of the story. I wonder, and I would like y'all insight, if we saw more working people with Jordans on, do you think we would have worked more versus drugs? Or do you think it would have been the same? Trying to get it fast just to get those yours. I think um, I just want to oh, go, go. say in regards to that. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I would probably say you still see people selling drugs. But the simple reason is, you know, you look at a situation and you see a working man wearing Jordans, but what you also see him doing is spending eight hours of his day under somebody else's thumb, you know, just to earn that money to go buy those Jordans. Whereas when you see you do your boy out on the block, you know, wearing Jordans, you know, he's so dope. One of the other things that factors into it is you see the freedom, the freedom he has, you know, it appears he has in, in what he's doing. You know, he's, I mean, he's, it seems like freedom. He's out there, you know, it seems like he's being his own man out there by choice, you know, slinging that dope, you know what I'm saying, getting it the fast way, the easy way, and it's like, that's the best way. I ain't out here fake breaking my back, you know what I'm saying? All I'm doing is giving people something that supposedly they want, you know, to, and, and, and they're giving me what I want so I can go get what I want the easiest way possible. I ain't got to break a sweat, you know what I'm saying? Granted, they don't always see the depth sometimes. As you said before, they glorify the lifestyle, and sometimes they even glorify the downside, like things they have to go through, like, you know, fights with uh, rivals in, in, in that particular industry who, who want, you know, their slice of the pie to pay again, because sometimes they're getting a real big slice of the pie because they got to know something that the people are really jumping for. So unfortunately, what ends up happening is, as a whole, they end up becoming role models simply because, you know, they're not out here. It doesn't seem like to, to, to the ones watching them, they're not out here, you know, having to be under the, the, the man's yoke, you know, to make that money. They're either making it on their own. And unfortunately, the problem is is that when they're seeing on the block, you know, selling dope always seems easier than even, you know, running your own business and actually providing something of actual value and worth because it's almost like people will just, you know, you don't have to actually work hard. People already, there are people that are already going to be out there for whatever reason are going to be looking for a fix, you know what I'm saying, to actually get them, you know, or whatever, and they want to be that person that's going to be there to provide that, you know, all type of money because it seems so easy. You know, it seems effortless. It's just an exchange of, you know, a product and money and boom. But, I mean, it's them not understand that there's a, there's a thousand other ways that can be done without doing something illegal, without doing something harmful to the community. You can make that same kind of money. You ain't got to sell dope to do that. You could be out there, you know what I'm saying, on the block and some fresh jays, but you could be selling designer t-shirts or something, your own design. 
you could be selling, you know, some of their product of creation, you know, of your own that, you know, gets you there. So the problem inherent is when you see somebody making easy money like that, you know, when you go by what you see, you're going to say that's the easiest way to go. You know, that's easy. Just give them this product. I mean, it's so easy. I don't even have to actually try to cultivate and make it. I just got to go to somebody. I just got to find a connection, go to them, grab this, bag it up, and then just stand on the block and wait for them to come to me. You know? So but at the end of the day, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to ask you a question. Go ahead. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, you just said you just see the standard there. It's like that seems a lot easier than having to put in any effort, you know. But um, what was the question I asked? So, my question is: Is it really easy money when you gotta do hard time? No, it's never easy money. The thing is, it's always fast. It's fast because you know that's something that's always in demand that you know is always in demand. They want, you know, it's it's never hard. So, to some people, that risk. Is worth it only because the way they see it, they're like, oh, they'll have to catch me or they'll have to kill me before they can take me to the third. Not realizing that they don't understand, you know, the the, the true level of, of fearlessness it takes to truly cultivate to uh, engage in that sort of activity. Unfortunately, by actual you know standards of psychology, is basically that of a person who probably scores very highly on a test. On a on on a psycho on a test, a psychopath who scores extremely high. You have to absolutely be a psychopath to be willing to you know say you risk your life, your freedom, all for this fast money just because you really don't care. You know you have that little fear in you of the the consequences of your action. You know everyone knows we, we it, it, it's been happening for years. You go out there, you commit a crime like that, you know. They're going to come after you, they're going to get you, and they're going to try to hit you over the head. They're going, to, they're going to really throw something at you. I mean, unfortunately, I'm going to say, even though we try not to look at it, there is the fact that by race as black people, we're going to get, you know, way more time because of all of the political mumbo-jumbo. I don't even have time to extrapolate on this topic. But with all of that and the amount of time we get, there are people who are like, they don't understand. You have to be really, you have to be really committed and fearless or extremely naive and, and, and caught up in your own desires. And oftentimes that's what happens. You know, even knowing the risk, they're like, ooh, I want it, 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 and they want it so bad, they'll, they'll take a chance not realizing you may, yeah, your homeboy may have done this, but, oh, he did like six months in county, and then, you know, he got out, you know, maybe they didn't catch him with that much. Meanwhile, you thinking you missed the big bag because you finally got them J's, you know what I'm saying, you got to see this fat wad of money, and, and, you know, you walk around with maybe a half ounce smaller and not realizing they even watch you this whole time, and now you're carrying so much evidence on you. Everything you're wearing is evidence of the crimes you're committing. And when you get hit, you don't realize your homeboy got popped on a fluke when he had damn near nothing on him. You know, they thought it was a good moment to go after him, or he might have just did something stupid to catch their attention. Meanwhile, you done made it out of this money, but attracted too much attention, and now you the one finna get thrown in the, uh, you know, thrown in there for 30, 40, 50 years because you wanted to take the easy and fast way just to get you some J's, you know. It's, it's, mm. it's, a, it's a vicious and a painful cycle. But, you know, if we got to try to show them, hey, there are better ways. You can live just that good. You can live like from street baller you want to be and be your own boss and have all that free time and do all that crazy stuff by actually doing something that, you can't get in trouble for it. something that's actually legitimate, something that's going to continuously, you know, produce for you. 
you know, when we can show them that, when we can show them that side of the world of entrepreneurship and not just, you know, make them feel like, oh, I'm not going to make it because this person has a special set of skills or special advantages or this, that, and the third. We know in various ways, you know, the world and society can stack things against us. And sometimes, without, unfortunately, as we were talking about in accountability, not being accountable for our own thoughts and actions, our own, Thank you. Um, so, you know, obstacles against us. So, so clear. In the end. Hmm? Hold that thought. Wait. Um, in the end, like, we can show them, you know, just like Quick, who, who's doing this show, you know, he, he owns a barber shop, you know, he's really out there. And he's in one of the one places where it is absolutely necessary, you know, to, to, to show people there's a way better way. Even this show is, is saying that it's like, you know, that's not a. That's not a place you want to be. He, I'm going to tell you, he once told me, because I, I, I was young, you know, I was in the same environment, but he was an adult doing the things that he had to get out of, and he was even getting out of the den. And I'm like, man, I'm, I, I, I happen to mention it. It's like they always see it. Like they got it good. They roll around like you know what I'm saying, in all these nice cars, flashy clothes. And he pointed out to me, yeah, that looks great, but you got to remember, they ain't really free. They got to look over their shoulder all the time. You know, it's not funny because you can't think it's great, but it's not funny because you're looking over your shoulder for somebody that's going to try to take you out and get what you got or medical police trying to get you for what you got. Incidentally, that same neighborhood, those same people, I was still there, you know, after he managed to get out and I managed to sit there and observe, I watched them all go, you know. One minute, there was all the flashy trucks riding around. Next minute, I started realizing there was too many damn normal-looking cars that weren't really people's cars in this neighborhood. They weren't really calling people in the neighborhood. They were the police, you know what I'm saying, sneaking around here, you know what I'm saying, catching them slipping. You know, they out here thinking they, they, they really making it. And here it is, they getting knocked off. And I was with, that was a wake-up call for me. And I was just like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to end up anywhere near that situation. I'm not going to waste my time. Morally, I already have my own, you know, thing against that whole process of uh, of drug dealing and, you know, what they were selling. But, you know, I just realized that's not a place I, that's not a place I want to end up. That's not a comfortable feeling. Just imagine, you know, it's one thing to know what a cop prison looks like. I had to find out the hard way while not doing anything seriously wrong, what it feels like to get caught by one by an undercover cop, you know. Technically, I was kind of being stupid, but I was just – Driving recklessly, and next thing I know, an ordinary-looking Chevy Cruze pulls me over, and I'm and I'm like, wow, this is not. If I, imagine if I were doing something, you know, way worse. Imagine if I was out here saying it. Imagine if I was out here, you know, what I'm saying, thinking that I'm trying to make it easy and fast, and this one little mistake, I have something numb that could get me thrown away for 30, 40 years. So we just got to show them there's a better way to live their life if they have trouble. There you go. So Ray, my twin. If you saw more working people with Jordans on versus drug dealers, do you think we would be more inclined to work versus sell drugs? What's your thoughts? I honestly think you might be in a situation where it actually still may be the same. Um, They see the working people, but depending on their mindset and how that person is, they may not want to work. And they can say, well, I see Jordans. I see on one side, Jordans, I got to work. It may take me about a month or two to get enough money to get it, but I'll eventually get it. But if I do this over here and sell drugs, 
I can maybe have it probably less than a month, two weeks, depending on how good I become. And it's one of those situations where you wonder, do they ask the right person a question? If they ask the working person, well, how long did it take you to get them Jordans? And he explains it to him. How does that make him feel? And if he asked the drug dealer, you know, he may glorify, oh, man, I was able to make this money in a day, have my Jordans by tomorrow. He is going to see the glorious side of it, but will the drug dealer really speak with you about the consequences and what he goes through on a daily basis just to sit on the stoop? Yeah, he got to watch out for the police. He got to watch out to make sure ain't nobody try to jack him, kill him, um, shoot him. You know, he may just glorify that he got the money quick, but he doesn't really probably go in depth. Uh, as a working man would, that would kind of go through and talk about, you know, you know, young man, you always got to look at the aspect, does the benefit outweigh the cost? You want these Jordans, but at what cost are you willing to risk to get those Jordans? Are you willing to risk your peace, your livelihood? Um, you even having a future just to get a pair of shoes. And like the young man was speaking earlier, once you get them, what could happen? The police could pull it right there. You had them on your feet for one day, and was all that worth it? Because now you got to go to jail, and you ain't going to be wearing no Jordans. You're going to be wearing something different, and you ain't going to have a choice on what to wear. You ain't going to have a choice of what to put on your feet. Somebody got to tell you everything on what to do. You know, it's, so, it's one of those things where I think, unfortunately, it probably may be the same, but it depends on, hopefully, if they ask the right question, do they risk with the adult person who's working really go more in depth to let him know there's more than just about getting the money quick? Because if you get the money quick, the money going to be gone quick. But if you work for it, you have more of an understanding and a hesitation to get things because you work hard to get it and you're not going to be as quick to spend it. And sometimes people don't realize how much a peace of mind means more and is more valuable than anything. To work and get your Jordans, you have a peace of mind that you ain't looking for nobody to say you did it illegally, stole it, or this. You know you paid for it. You got your receipt. You have a peace of mind that this is mine, and and I'm not worried about no police running up on me. I'm not worried about no police trying to raid my house because I got this illegally. I got it the right way. I done it the right way. And if I choose to get it, it's my option to do so. Um, but like I say, is that one of the things we have that benefit outweighs the cost? And hopefully a person will understand and get that point because that might cause them to choose the right path. Dig that. Me personally, uh, I'm going to say, if I can't afford to buy them twice, I'm not going to buy the first pair. Jimbo, what's your thoughts? I, uh, I, I think that it, it won't change. Um, I, I think it won't change uh, uh, our youth and our, our young kids uh, changing their perspective on wanting to go out there into the streets and things like that. The only reason why is because um, we're going to need more than progressive professional brothers to wear a pair of joys because we are competing with music. We're competing with social media. We're competing with that child waking up every day, um, observing that hustler in his community ride around in a fancy car or a $10,000 chain around his neck 
or every time he see him, he does have on a pair of new shoes. Whereas the professional guy in the community, um, he's not seen in that same cool as that. He's not viewed as having that that cool perception like the the hustler do. I think what it would take is for um, I, like when I came up, I think it takes for the respected hustlers who are doing wrong in the community to um, understand and have, and have enough sense to not want to see the generations younger than them to follow their paths and uh, to see how much and, and to show that they respect the brothers in the community who do have a nine-to-five job. And I think that would help with bridging the gap and having our youth um, observing and, and looking at the professional brothers wearing the Michael Jordans just as much because um, just as well as you're talking about the professional brothers wearing the Michael Jordans, I do understand why you would ask that question because um, I had to tell my boss, I was like, you know, me wearing a suit every day and, and, and our staff wearing suits, the, the the clientele, the population that we look at, they they sort of get an inferiority feeling, and they and they and they sort of distance themselves from that because when they, in their mind, they look at suits as authority figures tell you what to do, but I I noticed that when I stopped wearing suits and I would wear khakis, and I would wear a nice button up shirt, and let's say I, I would wear a pair of uh, let's just say a pair of Nike Air Max ninety five or something like that. They were they 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 appear to be more connected with the conversation mm. we had going on versus seeing me in a suit. Um, and I and I remember this one young this young lady. She said one time to me, she said, "Mr. James, you ain't wearing a suit today." And I said, "No, I said um, I'm just gonna put on catches and with my button up with my air mask." She said, "I like that on you." And I said, "Why?" She said, my daddy used to dress like that, too. And that made me think. And, and what I said to myself was, That's, that, that, that right there, what she said, my appearance is, is, is an informal way of connecting with her. When she saw me, it reminded her of the way her dad used to dress. And so I asked her, I said, so when I wear a suit, what you think? Uh, investigator or somebody who won't get on my nerves or think they know everything or think they better than me. Okay. And so from that conversation with that young lady, I shared it with my staff, and we tried for about 30 days just to come casual when we're working with the kids. And, we, and everybody said that it was a better experience. Communication was more. Um, and so... I think it won't change, but however, I did notice change from wearing a suit every day to actually putting on a pair of sneakers with some nice iron khakis and a button-up. I, I did notice the change in the way the kids would approach me and communicate with me. I felt more approachable to them. Okay. Uh, Mr. Quick, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of chime in on one thing. Welcome, Pastor. I've been listening to, oh my God, uh, the things, the things that just 
kind of just <laughs> set my soul on fire listening to, you know, everybody commenting on, you know, this topic and all of that. Um, and I want to kind of work my way back into it. But first of all, you know, I purposely wear Jordans into the pulpit, you know, from time to time. Now, um, I do it, and there's a little bit of a, I guess you would say, um, uh, uh, method to my madness because when I do wear it, what I found out is, first of all, nothing is going to reach everybody. I, I, you know, I understand that, but, you know, if I can reach one, you know, that, that one can make all the difference, you know, in the world. That one may go on and, and change the world, but if I can just reach one, but I notice that if I, when I put on those Jordans, um, I've got a lot of them's attention, and it changes some of them's concept of, you know, what Jordans is all about. You know, where I live, you know, somebody's wearing a nice pair of Jordans, uh, you know, they associate that with the drug dealer. But then when they see a, a lowly uh, pastor with them on, they figure, well, you know what, this is another way of, of getting them. You know, so it does help. Uh, but now as far as uh, them still selling drugs to get them and things of that nature, that boils down to a choice. I mean, it really does. It, it just It's a choice that the kid eventually has to make. But at the same time, the children's environment is affecting a whole lot. And I've heard these brothers, I mean, they have just been absolutely on point with some of the programs that they um, are a part of and, and, and all of these things. And one of the things that I'm going to say Yes, we got to reach the children, but listen, we can't leave out the adults because most of the adults are old enough to be adults, but they're their children themselves. They have no clue what it means to be a man, a woman, or really even an adult. And so the kids have bad influences. Um, now, one of the brothers, he talked about, you know, God bless you, the one that saw his mom, you know, um, life being taken away. My, God, you have my prayers, you have my sympathy, my God, I, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine, but th- this is what I want to do, I, I want to, uh, this is my goal, um, we have a program here in South Carolina, and, and it's, it's every Wednesday, and um, it's called Bible Release, uh, the kids can sign up, and uh, we can go to the school, pick up the kids, bring them over to the church, and supposedly teach them Bible. It's, it's, uh, they can actually get credit for, as an elective, they can get credit for that class um, if the parents agree to it. It cannot be done on school grounds. It cannot be done with public funding. It has to be totally private. But what I'm finding is once I get the kids there, um, they're dealing with issues like the brother was saying, how his mom has been treated and, you know, um, the brother selling drugs or Somebody's in the in the in the pen because of this, that, and the other. And you know, when you listen to those kids, when you sit there and meet them where they are, and you you teach them, listen. You know, you don't initially start that way, but you have to teach them. You know, stop blaming everybody, and let's just take responsibility. It's all in how you see this thing. And one of the things that I would love to do, and I really would love, I know this breaking the rules, but I would love to get these brothers' numbers, man, and invite them to, to, to connect up with them because uh, it's been in my spirit for years to start 
something because what I found out biblically is that oftentimes your misery is what turns into your ministry. The very thing that hurts you the most, the very thing that takes you to your lowest point, is the very thing that you can uh, really make a difference in society. I'm telling you, it is amazing. So this brother, he talked about his mom, and I, I mean, again, I can't imagine. I just, I was about to bring me to tears now, but, you know, through it all, there was somebody that got in his face that told him, listen, this is not going to bring your mom back, and eventually... Look at what he's doing now. And so sometimes, man, spiritually speaking, you know, God doesn't cause things to happen, but he allows things to happen, and he uses that so that we can go and reach countless other people. And I really believe that if more of us would show our scars, would really stand there and say, look, look at me. Look at what I've been through. I've been there. You know, uh, we would reach a little more of these kids. And so I'm just loving all the the stories that I'm hearing, and, you know, we're wanting the educational, uh, we, we want everybody to make all these great uh, waves in school. My wife's a teacher, and it's hard for these kids to do well in school when they're going home and they got crackheads in their house. They got their mom laying on her back just trying to make ends meet and things of that nature, man. So, you know, we got to be willing to go that extra mile. And so that's why I've thrown the Jordan to the pulpit. You know, forget what folk are going to think. Are they going to say that's unbecoming of a pastor? When the young bucks look up and say, hey, look, if Rev can wear these, man, you know what? They may be okay. And then occasionally, occasionally, I'm able to give them away. Not all the time. Please understand, not all the time. I'm blessed to have sons. <laughs> I'm blessed to have sons that... You know, uh, it may not be the latest Jordans, but they'll let me throw them on, and I'm like, okay, if this kid really wants them, you know, I'll bless them with them. But, man, there are programs we can do, there's things we can do, you know, that will help all of us to learn. Listen, let's take responsibility. And what you're going through, really, you know more about it than anybody. Because if if you've been to the valley, you know what, you can tell a whole lot of folks, you know, game recognizes game. You can tell when somebody's going through, and you can sit, you can talk with them, you can be real with them, and you'll be amazed at the lives that can be turned around. So I'm loving what I'm hearing out of all these guys. You guys are pouring your hearts out, man, and, and uh, none of you are, in my opinion, being arrogant about it. You guys are being open and honest and sharing your wounds, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what Jesus did. He told his disciples, look, Look, look at my hands. Look where they stuck these nails. You know, if you want to touch it, touch it. It's cool. Do what you got to do. And see, here we are as adults. We put the suit on and we put the shoes on and all this stuff. We try to hide what we've gone through. And that's the wrong attitude to take. You know, there's a time and a place to do it, but we got to do more uh, uh, of this. So I'm loving this um, topic, but I really think it's time for all of us to take personal responsibility. Even in when people are te- treating us unfairly, I think we should take responsibility because it's up to us and how we allow people to treat us. You take responsibility and I promise you uh, you'll see life take a turn for the better. I really do believe that. Wow. Mark, do you yes. do you think that if 
kids saw more working people wearing Jordans, that they will choose that option first and I've seen more children, if I've seen children, I've seen more people wearing Jordans. Who work? Uh, versus who work? Drugs. Okay, I think it, me personally, I think it goes farther than just what meets the eye. Um, I'm going to kind of go back to what Pastor was saying. Um, I think that you have to you have to tell your story. And what I mean by that is that uh, a child can see me with Jordan, see you with Jordan, but they don't know the story behind it. Yeah, they know you're successful. Yeah, they know you don't sell drugs. But at the same time, they don't know your story. They don't know your history. They don't, that that, that woman or child, well, a, a girl or boy, man or child, um, they don't know that, you know, maybe you went through the same struggles that they're going through now to get those, to wear those joys on you. So I think that, um, like Pastor was saying, um, we have to be uncut and raw about our, up, our upbringing, where we came from, what made us successful. I think um, that we have to peel back the skin and just show um, the world that we're, hey, we wasn't born like this. Um, it was, we came from the gutter. We came from the dirt. And this is what we've become now. And this is what, this is why I wear the Jordans. Um, not just because you see I'm on my feet. Um, um, it's, it's not easy. And I think that you can attest to that. That you know, and, and I just think that 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 equates to letting them know that life is not easy. Um, it was a struggle to get these Jordans on my feet. Um, this is the, this is a reward for me. But this is where it started from. And like Pastor was saying, I, you know, I think we all have to, you know, me personally, I think, we, you know, life is, and I, this is how I look at life. I look at, look at it as if everybody has a book and it has chapters. And my book has more chapters, might have less or more chapters than yours. So um, I think that. You know, we all start from chapter one. We don't, everybody's not on chapter 10 right now or don't get to chapter 10 because there's always hurdles and there's always uh, uh, forks in the road, you know, or whatever. But as far as that goes, you know, with, you know, the whole joy thing, I just think that, you know, it's a story to tell on how I got them on my feet, you know, because I can stand right beside a drug dealer dressed just like me with Jordans on. Can they tell the difference between me and the drug dealer? If we if we dress the same? No, but I tell you what, they they can tell if I they they can tell if I tell them a story. If he say, if he, if he tells his story and I tell mine. So that's how I look at it. Well, that's a good way of looking at it. I believe that. 
children see success, right? Mm-hmm. So they see the trinkets, they see the jewels, and mm-hmm. if they see you working every day, they can say, mm-hmm. "Man, I can obtain the same." Lifestyle or get these jewels if I work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that because drug, they see the drug dealers with the jewels on, they say, I gotta sell drugs to get these jewels. But if they see us working men with the jewels on, they can say, Well, they go to work every day. They're not looking over their shoulders. They're not worrying about the police. And they still mm-hmm. have these But guess what? Guess who they will see? But guess what? Guess who they see every day? I mean, they... I mean, a working man... But you got to tell that story, like you I said. Said, Yeah. A working man, you really don't see them every day because they're at work. Because they're at work. A drug dealer, where do you see him? <laughs> exactly. Every a drug dealer, where you see him at? You see him every day. You see him on the corner every day. On your way to work, you see. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. That's why I think um The story you know, isn't important. But like but but like you said, but like you said, um children it it depends on I would say it depends on what they see every day. If you see the drug dealer more than a working man, then guess what? You gonna think that's the way to go, because you don't know. But that's up for the working man to tell the story, to let let them know that's not the way to go. Hmm. I like that, Miss Hayes. What's your thoughts? Hmm. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> really? Do you believe that? If more kids saw the working men in Jordan's versus, or they would choose to work versus selling drugs to get the Jordan's. I think, we all think, if most kids were being affirmed, empowered, with being taught who they are and what they stand for, they wouldn't look at nobody else wearing Jordans because they're comfortable enough in themselves not to want what anybody else has. So if we go back and we start teaching foundation principles, um, we can eliminate most of that. Um, That's what I really think. But to answer your question, I mean, I I don't think it matters. I think it's all about it'll go back to a choice. And that choice would be, do I want to work or do I want to hustle? And, um, you know, whichever one you choose, Obviously, leads to the consequences. Such that's what I think. But then this goes that goes all the way back to what? All the way back to home, home training, mm-hmm. home your upbringing. 
that that go, it goes all the way to back to that. Because guess what? You're taught at home what, right and wrong. I was right. taught that men that don't work don't eat. So, <laughs> but <laughs> right. I believe that when it comes to kids, remember they always watching. So, back to the home. My son sees me go to work every day, so he can see the jewelry. He can see the jewelry that he wears, and he knew that I'm at work. You follow me? So quite naturally, mm-hmm. he believes that he can obtain these Jordans by working. By working. But then it's not even but, just but, about Jordan. You know, we. Well, I think um, we the gentleman brought Jordans up. That's why I just stuck with that. Right, right, right. I know. I'm just saying, when you look on the grand scheme of things, look at the the differences, though. You know, you're talking about a man who is you see standing on a corner in a pair of J's. Okay, cool. Guess what he's doing? Standing on the corner. That's why he got his J's on. But when you look at the man driving to work, guess what he's doing? He's leaving his home where he pays a note to get in his car that he pays for to go to work. So while he may not, you may not see his J's, guess what? They may be in his closet of the house that he owns. You see what I'm saying? So there, right. there, there's several, you know, there's several differences and several ways that we can look at this and then have a conversation with the kid about what he think is important. Is it more important for you to stand on the corner in a pair of J's, or is it more important for you to have a home that you own, a car that you own, and have your J's in the closet? You know. That's when it. You see. I do. I think that's, that's the bigger picture conversation that we need to mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Um, you know, if we have the opportunity to to speak to these kids about what they what they see, because that man standing on the corner, he gonna be there when you go to work. He gonna be there when you get off, and he probably gonna be there until midnight to three a.m. You know, just to go to sleep, eat, and make it right back to that corner again. If you're going but to do sleep. you see his house? Right, if he's going to sleep. Do you see his house? You know, and one man driving to work, he, the police ain't, ain't ain't posted up on him. The police posted up on this man. So, like, it's, it's a whole lot of ways you can look at it and you can spin it. And, um, again, it comes down to the choice. You know, like, what what do you want for yourself? And and like like Mark said, at that point, it goes right back to the beginning in the home. What what do they see in the home? You know, like I, our kids don't wear J's like that. You know that. Um, it's it's just that's just not our preference. If it's a nice sneaker, we buy it. Then okay, so be it. But they're not just looking at a specific group of of sneakers or a specific type of sneakers for for the name. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, when you look at values and what we're teaching our children, are, are we teaching them to be label whores or are we teaching them to say, look, man, it don't matter what it costs, who makes it, whose name on it. If you like it, you buy it. If you, you can afford it, you know, you right. You work for it. And, and there again, back to values. What is it? 
you know, what have we instilled in our children? Have we instilled enough of those values in order for our children to say, yeah, they stand on the corner, they standing out there in that heat. I'm going to work. I got a desk job or, you know, I own my oh. business. They, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's the mindset that we have to go back to. to. I believe we must practice what we preach. If we're going to tell our kids that you can do whatever, get whatever by working, and they see you at home on the couch, that shit, Jazz, we're not doing this. But if they see you getting up every day, a pastor, every Sunday, going to stand up, going to work, that's what they're going to do. They can say, my daddy bought me this house or bought me this car and never sold drugs. He worked for this. One, I have a greater appreciation. Two, I want to go to work so I can be like my daddy. It's all starts at the foundation. If that's what you're doing every day to make to to make ends meet, to provide for your family, your son or daughter is looking at you. I'm a firm believer of that. They're looking at what you do every day. And for instance, with my sons, you know, you know, yeah, they see me buy stuff and buy this and buy that. And and I have to and and they know it's from me getting up every day, punching the clock mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. That's what it's from, you know. And and that's the same thing with you guys, kids. Anybody that's listening, you know, kids. I'm just a firm believer that they 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 will grasp what they see in their household. Mm-hmm. And I've got plenty of examples, plenty of examples of. Other kids that I know, grown-ups right now, they ain't even kids anymore, they're grown-ups that I grew up with. They was a product of their environment. Mm-hmm. Daddy stayed in and out of jail, oh, guess what? The son's going to stay in and out of jail. Mom on drugs, mm-hmm. guess what? Yeah, they pretty much going to go down the same, they're going to experiment with drugs. I mean, I got plenty of examples of that. So... Foundation. Foundation. Corey, what do you think about that? I definitely agree. Um, It's all about the foundation. I mean, I'm a product of the foundation of my mom and father. You know, growing up, my dad worked. When we were younger, my mom didn't work. He wanted her to kind of take care of us. But when she decided she wanted to work, she went to work, and I, you know, grew up seeing both of my parents work. But every year, mm-hmm. I also grew up with, we had a family vacation every year. So what I grew up seeing was my daddy worked hard throughout the year, and at one time in the summer before we went to school, they always made sure we did something, got out of South Carolina, went somewhere for a family vacation. And that's something that's still that's instilled in me still to this day, that I work hard. But every year, I need to treat myself with a vacation and go somewhere because that's what I saw growing up and the foundation that my parents set for me. And that's something that we still do every year now as a family vacation and do things together just so the family stays together, but also you work hard, you should enjoy yourself. And that's one of the things that I took from that. You work, 
make sure the household is taken care of first, which he always made sure that the house was taken care of. But after that, put some money aside for a rainy day, but also put some money aside to make sure you get that time away with your family and have a vacation where you can relax, the family can relax, and truly enjoy themselves. So it is about the foundation at the end of the day. What pe- what the kids see is what they normally would emulate. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Come on, that quick. Where you at? Uh-oh, he must be having technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, you got anything on that? Well, um, one of the things that everybody's talking about, the foundation, and I totally, definitely agree with um, with that. And they're, 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 there's, you know, countless kids out there and, Obviously, that's their problem. You know, they don't have that, you know, that foundation at home. But, you know, for me, okay, I got to make sure my foundation is together at home. But you know what? I, I need to make myself a little more visible in the community. I can do some things, you know, without compromising my own family. I can make myself visible, you know, in the community. I, I think it's bad when they see the drug dealer more than they see. The pastor is bad when they see the crackhead more than they see, uh, you know, the man that's working on Wall Street. It's just, it's bad. I know we're in there making our money. I got that. But, you know, one of the things that as a kid growing up, um, you know, y'all stay with me just for a second. But I used to love to watch the superheroes. And uh, one of the ones that I loved was uh, Superman. That was my dude. And uh, the reason I liked Superman was, you know, everybody else had to go and get dressed. Superman just had to start running. He already had his stuff on. You know, it was just, I like mm-hmm. Superman, but the older I got, I realized, <laughs> you know what, that's who I am. I'm a hypocrite. But most of us are the same way. We're walking around and trying to be two people, trying to be, you know, Superman, but also trying to be, you know, this regular dude working this regular little job. It's time for us, if we're Superman, you know what, show it all the time. Stop faking the funk, man. Get out there with those kids. You know, let them know. You know, walk right by the drug dealer if you got to. Speak to him. Sit up and have a conversation with him. Let him know he's not going to take your street. Now, you're not going to get in no argument. Because I'm not with any of them. But I'm just saying we got to make ourselves known. we got to make our presence known. You know, we got to really, you know, my kids, Bless their hearts, you know, they look up to me. They literally look up to me. They, 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 my, my son and I took a ride today and he said, Dad, he's 24 years old. He said, I don't know how you do it. He said, Man, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm finished college and it, that thing just aren't popping for me. He said, How do you keep going? How do you this? How do you? And that gave me an opportunity because I was spending time with him to just be real with him. 
to let him know, man, at 24, I didn't have it figured out either, you know, and that gave him the strength that he needed, you know, to move forward a little bit. So, again, you know, we got to stop being, walking around as Clark Kent, and it's time for us to be Superman. What you what you wearing? You wearing the suit mm-hmm. or you wearing the Superman outfit? <laughs> and most of us got the outfit underneath the, the, the suit. You know, take that thing off, man. Let them see who you really are. Let them see who you really are. Let them are. see. Yeah, let them see who you mm-hmm. are, man. Not just your kids, but other kids also. We we can we can do more. I just, I mean, all these great programs I heard on here tonight. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, I mean, man, it's, we're not looking for the answer. We have it. We just gotta gotta we gotta we gotta organize oh, yeah. and and point it in the right direction, man. But we already have this thing. I mean, you know, y'all have heard me on here joking a lot, you know, about Ray. He dudes. Said it again tonight, you know. That's I, that's one dude I love and hate at the same time. He's got that model family, man. I mean, you know, not perfect, but his dad did this and his dad did that. His dad was like, man, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Huxtable, not Bill Cosby, but, you know, Mr. Huxtable. Y'all know about that. They, they're two different folk right there. But, uh, you know, so Ray had that. And look at what they, that family, that man and woman produced. They produce a productive brother, you know, uh, in the community. And so, you know, why can't we go back and grab three more and five more and, you know, volunteer on the weekend, start these programs? Man, I'm telling you, we can, and I believe that we're going to uh, make a difference. I really, truly do believe that. I mean, we can talk about the statistics all day long, but you know what? Let's take one, let's take one away. Let's snatch one away. And say you're not getting that one, that one right there. That's that one's gonna do the right thing, you know. So we just gotta do this, man. So I'm ready to be Superman. I'm I'm ready to, you know, to do what I gotta do. I mean, why you gotta be something else, Superman, dude? Why you gotta work? You Superman, you don't need a job. You, <laughs> you y'all don't understand, but this is personal <laughs> with me. Very personal with me. Well. I might not need a job being Superman. With these kids I got, I need two jobs. So I need to be. Uh, I need. I need that that job at the uh, at the paper, as well as saving, being that hero. Because I'm telling you, uh, my I, the, I the adversaries out here in their lives. So I got to definitely be that example, you know. Uh, maybe you need to stop chasing Lois Lane. Maybe that's the problem. I don't got to taste it. She's she, she upstairs right now in the bed. <laughs> I got you, brother. I got you, man. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a, all the taste is done. Why Superman had to taste it? He, he fast. He can fast as a speeding bullet. Stop a train, but he brother had to taste know, it. Brother don't know who he is, man. He don't know who he is. He's lost. He don't know who he is. But one, but one thing that I, that I do know in being... And being a superhero, there comes a lot of responsibility. You dig? Yeah. And it's not just it's not just for you. Remember, he had the powers for himself, but he used his powers to help everybody else. Yes, sir. So we got the yes, power. Sir. We got we got we got to help those that and help them recognize who they are. Or maybe we just go around, pass around Superman t-shirts, let them know that, hey, you got to 
engage your inner Superman. But you got to, we got to do something. Man, accountability. <laughs> that's 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 heavy. So y'all know my next question. Y'all know my next question. What are we gonna do about it? How can we change it up? I'm with Pastor. Like you, you get somebody like the, like the guy who who works in the court system who already is, I call it test pilot, so to speak, where where they already are have implemented a program. You get somebody like him come out, you know, and work with with people like us who don't know that much about it and help implement something on the you know on the level outside of the court so that. We're doing something before they get to him. That way, you're impacting, you know, two types of children. You're keeping the ones that are out of trouble out and the ones that get in trouble, you, you're turning them right back around as soon as they get in and send them, you know, on the right path. So that's what I say. Okay. Ray, what's your thoughts? I agree with that. Um, one is that, you know, there are programs in place. Um, it's just that sometimes these programs are small in nature and you don't really know about them. And I think the more that programs become successful like that, it needs to be shared amongst people so that, you know, other people can start implementing the program. You know, everybody don't have to start from scratch. You know, sometimes you can take the idea to help somebody else that they can use it and make even better. And like it was also saying, you know, sometimes reaching out, getting that one child. As he said, sometimes that child could be the best teacher once you teach them the responsibility that they have in being accountable to themselves as well as to others. And sometimes not worry about what's being seen on mainstream or on TV, how everybody on TV trying to find a scapegoat for this and that and this and that, but really teaching them and instilling in them that you have to be accountable for yourself. No matter what anybody else is doing, it always comes back to you. As long as you do what you got to do, that's all you need to worry about, and everything else will work itself out. Okay. Mark, what's your thoughts? Yes, mm. Come back to me on that. <laughs> come back, come, come, back, come to back to me. <laughs> come back to me. Come back to me on now. All right. Pastor, what's I'm, your I'm thoughts? I'm in my feelings right now. Yeah, your feelings. Dig that. Well, I guess, you know, maybe I'm the wrong one to to, um, um, to ask because um, part of my uh, responsibility, you know, as a pastor is to um, – you know, to constantly reach out. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm in the um, the prison system. I'm in the schools um, and things. I'm in the people's homes and things of that nature. Um, the problem is I hear the problem, but when I turn around, I don't have the 
necessary resources to to solve it. You know, I don't have the most of the time it's not so much the finances as it is um personnel. You know, I just don't have that. And so, you know, I think it's just time for for us to just come together and start where we are. You know, if that one program is working, then I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I contact this brother and say, you know, you know, give me some insight, give me some direction. Uh, you know, um, you know, if if I need to bring you in, whatever, and you show me how to do this thing. So, you know what? Now instead of just you, we're doing it here also, and then we just continue to, you know, uh, duplicate ourselves. You know, and then if another pro- program starts to work, then we implement that one. And in the meantime, I really feel like that we need to get together. Uh, I mean, I understand that reading, writing, arithmetic is important. I got that. But, you know, when I was in school, they had, and I assume they still have it, um, they had things for, they had a club called the Future Farmers of America. They had, you know, 4-H club. They had all these things, you know, uh, that, that kids could take. And, and my question is, why can't we put enough pressure on legislators to where, we add classes, you know, life skills. I mean, grief counseling, just something, man, that's going to help these kids. They put in a program to where, and I live in a very poor uh, state and a very poor county within the state. Matter of fact, everybody in our county gets free lunches. They're absolutely free. You know, it's it's a very rural area. And, and you know, so, but the problem is the kids, are dealing with so much at home when they come to school, they're worried, they're tired because they've been up all night fussing, fighting, and all of these things. And if we had something in place along with the reading, the writing, and the arithmetic, something other than a guidance counselor, you know, some of them need grief counseling. Some of them need, you know, uh, to come, be able to come to the uh, a classroom and just get a, a new shirt to put on because kids are poking fun at them because, Shirt they have is worn out and stinky. You know, we got to do something, man. And, and there's, again, so many programs out there that that we could use. And so I think it's time for us to, you know, I appreciate Blog Talk Radio, man. This is absolutely awesome. But at some point, you got to stay in the huddle too long, they'll call a penalty. So you got to break the huddle and run some plays, man. I think it's time for, you know, if Ray is in South Carolina, I don't know where he's at. No, that's where he came from. Then you know what? It's time for us to hook up. The brother that told his story about his mom and everything. Personally speaking, I know he has become his ministry. I got that, but at the same time, you know, I mean, this is just me. I, that needs to be in a book. That literally needs to be in a book. I mean, because it's truth. It's his truth. It really did happen, man. And and people need to people need to hear that. They need to hear that you can, you know, turn this misery into a ministry. You can turn this to where it can change the lives of countless people. It's you know, I don't care if you look at it through the eyes of forgiveness or, you know, whatever. But this brother has a story, and his story needs to be heard. And in my line of work, it says some people overcome by the blood of the lamb, and others overcome by the words of the testimony. This brother has a testimony. And we don't need to keep things like that hidden. It needs to be exposed. You don't have to have my name on it. 
I don't need credit for it, um, you know, whatever, but it needs to be told. They can change lives. So I think it's time for us to start where we are with, say, his story, with some of these programs, uh, with uh, the upbringing of Ray uh, and things like that, and let's let's get started, man. Let's start where we are with what we have. You know, you can't do geometry without doing math. So maybe we got $8 and two people. You know, they started a company called Two Men in a Truck. They're doing quite well right now. So we just we just got to get started, in my opinion. Right. I have a question. Go ahead. So, Pastor, with, with all that being said, um, for the ones who are on the call tonight, how can we help you, if at all? Like, what can we do to give you some support? Because you say, like, you know, you, you go somewhere, you may not have the staff. Well, does your staff necessarily have to be there? No, definitely not. You know, um, to answer your question, then I'll elaborate a little bit. Um, <laughs> I hate to steal it from quick, but what I need personally is I need somebody to take responsibility. In other words, you know, what I'm saying is simply this, you know, we look at that word pastor and, you know, pastors aren't equipped to handle, you know, everybody. Pastors are equipped to handle a congregation. So, you know, I'm supposed to be sending the folk out to the prisons, to the hospitals. I'm not enough. I'm supposed to be equipping them, but they won't go. So I'm having to go. And so what I'm saying is this, if, if I can make connections and say, and I'm just throwing this out, um, you know what, uh, Brother Ray is going to come in and, and, you know, into my area, into whatever area, and he's going to train whoever, you know, and uh, Quick's going to open his doors up, and we're going to start right there. Ray's going to train them. These other two guys are going to jump in there with them, and now we've got something moving. You know, so for me personally, I just need somebody to take, Responsibility. I've got the, I've got the victims. I've got them. I got them everywhere. I got them. You know, some are just coming out of prison. Some are on their way into prison. Some are about to get out of school. Um, I got a lady that contacted me tonight and earlier tonight, and she said, I need a place to live because uh, can the church put me up in a place? I just got kicked out of this place because my son broke all the windows out of the apartment. I said, well, you don't need a place to live. You need to deal with your son first. You know, once you deal with him, why would I, why would I invest my money? And he just got kicked out. I mean, I know that sounds rude for the church, but let's deal with the real issue. So how old is your son? Mm-hmm. He's 26. Well, baby, I mean no harm to you, but, you know, <laughs> it's time to separate from your son. He's 26. Mm-hmm. He don't have special issues. Ain't nothing wrong with him, and you still trying to baby mm-hmm. him. You getting kicked out of your spot because of him, mm-hmm. and so I need mm-hmm. I need somebody that will be real and be honest with the single mothers that will talk to the young kids that will. I mean, they're everywhere, man. I mean, it's not just in my state; they're everywhere. So no, they don't have to be uh, just right here with me, but we need contact, and if we can get started. You know, now there is a network of pastors all across the world, and they're dealing with 
the same issues. That, that's the ones that not trying to make a name for themselves and riding around looking like the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lord help us. Well, you have my number. You, 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 you. Anything I can do. If they're here, in, if they're here in Georgia, put me in touch with them. Those pastors, I mean. And yes, sir. Schedule is tight, but I'm sure we can break a few minutes away to, to talk to somebody. Yeah, and I mean, but you I know, mean, same here. I mean, but you know, the, the forums like this. I mean, I mean the, the value of a forum like this is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It really, really is. But again, um, if it'll just reveal, okay, I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to do this. Let's do that. And then somebody will take on the responsibility of saying, okay, I got this. I can, I can handle this. See, I don't need my name on it. I don't need to lead it. I don't, I don't need that. I just need some folk that'll say, listen, we're not gonna let this fall by the wayside. Uh, you know, I got this. I got this county. I got this state. I got this. I'll talk to that person. I'll be responsible for training. I'll do this. Let's coming up, come up with a, a, a training regiment. Whatever it takes, man. But we gotta, you know, again, we just gotta get. We got to get started. We just, we do. And I know it don't look like we're starting with much, but I really think we're starting out with a whole lot. I mean, man, I mean, a whole lot. You got, you know, people that care. I mean, Jesus knew everybody, and he changed the world with 12 disciples, and two of them were crooked. So if he can start out with a little group, then so can we. Well, there you go. Uh, I have a few contacts that I'm. In fact, I have a few people I'm gonna talk to tomorrow directly, and I'm sure they will want me to pass their number along. So, expect a few texts tomorrow of gentlemen, brothers, numbers who could who could help out. I know definitely here in the Georgia area. Um, but like I said, and my wife said, uh, you have our numbers already. So, I ain't going to say use us, but utilize us. <laughs> I got you. I really do. I, mean, I really. I think yeah. it's one of those things, Pastor, where, you know, we, we have this form, and like you said, it's, it's powerful, but it's one of those where if you, if you need whatever you need, if we can provide, then, you know, we got you. We got you. Um, you know, single moms been there, done that. I can I can help you out a little something on that. Married moms, I can help you out a little something on that. You know, um, anything. You know, if there's something that you know that that I can be of value, then by phone, Skype. I mean, you know, technology is advanced to where we can be anywhere and everywhere all at the same time. So That's exactly right. Let us know. That's exactly right. Well, listen, um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm very, very thankful. I've got a million questions in my mind. Um, 
this has been very therapeutic, but I want to interview this brother that um, <laughs> that had to deal with this concern, his mom. I just, man, I, I got a million questions. I'm going to send him your number. I'm going to send him your number. Yeah, I, need, I, I, really need, I really need to talk with him. He just, uh, he's one of my heroes, man. I, I just, wow, that's amazing. And uh, I really want to, because there's, there's more to the story, man. I know I didn't have time to tell it all, but. Um, you know, um, I just need to hear that. I need to talk with Ray because I, I need to know if you understand what you have, man. You 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 have what everybody desires. Um, you know, everybody on here has a story, and as as I was listening, man, it was like I'm telling you, it was like I mean, it was like food to my soul, man. So I, I thank you guys. I thank you so much. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just going to listen tonight because um, we're dealing with our own issues in my house, but the one thing I found out, you'll feel better if you go out and help somebody else, even if you're dealing with something. And so that was just such a blessing tonight. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Oh, that was me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I plan on it. In fact, perfect time to say we'll be back Tuesday <laughs> At 9 p.m. is the set of time. But, no, really, we, um, we're we here. It's, it's you know, I'm a firm believer in we are going to be held accountable for what we're teaching as well as what we don't teach. So we got to, we got to do our part, you know what I mean, because you can lead them to the water or you can and let them drink or you can lead them away from the water and they die of starvation or dehydration. So at the end of the day, we got to do our part and make sure that everybody drinks. So that's where we're at. I have nothing else. I am so blessed and thankful for all we've heard tonight, all we've learned. Um, we got to continue to practice what we preach. We got to be that example for what we're teaching. We have to be mindful that they're listening to what we're said, what we're saying, as well as what we're not saying. So be mindful of the words that you're using. Affirm uh, and love, man. We gotta we gotta continue to pass that. And exactly what the brother has going on in Miami and what Pastor's talking about, these are ways to express love. Remember, God is love. So this is what he wants us to do. With that being said, if all hearts and minds are clear, we can close tonight. My my wife, my spirit mate, your heart and mind clear? Yes, thank you. Ray, my twin. Thank you, bro. I love you, man. Is my is your heart and mine clear? Heart and mine is clear. You're welcome, bro. Love you too. Mark. Oh my goodness. Ain't no words, bro. Thank you. <laughs> you know I love you, man. Is your heart and mine clear? Heart and mine clear, brother. Love you too. Pastor. Hey, man. I love you, man. 
Is your heart and mind clear? No doubt, man. Heart and mind clear. Spirit's rejoicing. Spirit rejoicing. Talk to me. Without further ado, please do what you do and take us home, man. Lord, thank you so much for everything that has transpired over this line tonight. Um, some things can't be really expressed with words, God. It's just something you just had to experience and feel for yourself tonight. To the Lord, experience the concern that's on the line, the openness, the honesty, the the testimonies, the pain, the frustration, the bad decisions. Um God, this is absolutely amazing. It boils down to we had 120 minutes of just truth, and the Bible says the truth is what really makes and sets us free. So tonight, God, first of all, thank you because none of it's possible without you. And then thank God all these um, servants, that's what I want to call them, God, for just sharing their lives. Thank you so much for each one of them adding to the conversation. Thank you that you can get people together and they're not arguing, they're not debating, they're working for one common goal. And at the end of it, God, to just be able to say, okay, we've heard all of this, but now what do we do? Uh, Lord, that's powerful, and that's what we need you for. We need direction. Your word says that a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. I'm asking you, God, to put a thought inside of somebody to put something inside of one of us, two of us, all of us, so that, Lord, if I have this piece of the puzzle and someone else has another piece, we can see this whole picture if we'll just not only come together but stay together. God, it's not going to stay the way it is right now. I know that trouble will always exist, but guess what? Truth also will exist. And, God, we just got to realize that just because we're out of it, that doesn't mean that we're finished with it. It's time for us to take responsibility. We've got to stop blaming the devil, blaming the enemy, blaming the drug man, blaming the president. You know, what is it that we're doing? Help us to take responsibility and say, listen, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to help that kid that I don't know. I'm going to help that kid that's in my community. I'm going to help that kid, you know, uh, that's on my job, whatever. I'm, I'm going to reach out. And, Lord, please bless this line, this blog talk radio, Brother Quick and his spouse, God. Please keep your hand on them. And I pray that whoever's listening to this tonight, I speak over this line right now. You do have hope because the very ones you were listening to tonight, we've been there, we've done that. And by no means have we arrived to where we don't need help. We're just saying we're willing to turn around and let you know if God did it for us, he'll do it for you. So thank you so much for tonight, God. Keep us together. Bring us back together on Tuesday so that we can discuss relevant matters and topics that will change the lives of people um, that we don't even know. I love you, Lord, and I love what they're doing on this line. I ask all this, believe all of this, and thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Family, uh, thank you all. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm eternally grateful. Remember, we are going to be held liable for what we are teaching. So please make sure that the words that we are speaking are the truth. Make sure what they're seeing as examples are the truth so we can help turn this thing around. We can't do it without one another. So as a family, we must unite. We all we got, 
That being said, peace, love, faith. Take care of each other. I love you, and God do too. Peace.